Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Time all game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. What is up, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Pick and Pod here at WFUV Sports. I'm Nick Fade. I've got Chris Persiani and Will Town with me here as well. Guys, we've got a lot to talk about today. The NBA always so exciting and action-packed. We'll talk Knicks. We'll talk Nets. Steph Curry, a tough injury. We'll take a look on him. Check in there on Golden State, and we'll wrap it up with some surprise guys in the NBA. The standings shaking up a little bit here as we get just past the quarterway of this NBA season. Chris, Will, how are we? Finals week, man. We're doing doing about as as I can do. I've, I've got no adjective for it. Yep. I'm just we're going. It's happening. The week is progressing. Um, I'm alive still somehow, but we will see how that updates as the week goes on. And I have more projects to complete. That's about. It's about all I can give you right now. I have two more finals left. Just two, but they're still like hanging over my head. They're, it's <laughs> such a minuscule number, but it's just so like, like tough of a reach. It's like only two finals, but like two finals. But other than that, we're doing well. The Knicks playing great basketball five in a row. Gotta love that. Uh, two games above 500 now. The Nets, fourth in the East. A lot to talk about there. I'm excited to unpack it all with you guys. So we'll jump right in here with the New York Knicks. Last night's game, probably the most impressive of their five-game win streak that I've seen so far. A very good grit-and-grind OT win over the Bulls, 128-120 final. Julius Randle, 31 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. But I want to give more props to a guy who I think doesn't get enough appreciation from New York fans or even just the NBA as a whole is Jalen Brunson. 39 minutes, he scores 30 points, hits that dagger in overtime, which was one of the most phenomenal plays I've seen all season, dropping Alex Caruso. 30 points, two rebounds, seven assists. Uh, Just a really solid showing from these guys. RJ Barrett even fouled out, 22 points, six boards, two assists. The Knicks got it done yet again against this Bulls team who's been reeling. They desperately needed a win, and they kind of put them aside, keep them quiet. Knicks improved to 15-13. and They've got a lot going for them right now, a lot of momentum. Can they carry this through, Chris? They're looking somewhat like that team from two years ago. I don't want to say they're that good yet, that they're on that level. But Julius Randle especially, certainly playing at that level. Yeah, well, you know, you, you got to start off with Julius Randle when you talk about what's been different about this Knicks team. And, and for me, you look at Randle's counting stats, right? Just the raw numbers as, as, you know, like the more casual fans like to do. Let's dip our toe in that for a second. 28 points per game, 10 rebounds a game, 4 assists a game. In the month of December so far, 45% from the field, 36 from beyond the arc. Knicks are 5-1. and one. All right? Th- th- this is no coincidence. To me, when you look at the New York Knicks offense, you see Jalen Brunson inserted into this, right? Now, what that allows you to do is repurpose Julius Randle, as opposed to Randle being the catalyst, the enzyme behind New York's offense, the guy who would stir the drink and get everything going. He's instead the play finisher as, a- as opposed to the play creator. And you see Jalen Brunson now with that ladle in his hands, stirring the pot for the New York Knicks, and Randall just able to be the benefactor of good offensive creation. Now, Julius gets to create on his own at times, and he's, there's certainly a lot of isolation possessions for him still in the shot diet, but what they've cut out is a lot of that fat, and by that I mean the long twos, 
the isolation fadeaways that were coming several times a game. Now, you know, maybe you get two or three. Uh, they trimmed a lot of the fat out from Randall's shot diet, and right. his stats are looking leaner as a result. I mean, the guy's playing well. His defense has actually been good over the last five games. I think the reason for that is the insertion of Quentin Grimes into that starting lineup allows Barrett and Randall to focus more on defense and rebounding. They don't have to do everything out there. They've got another capable starter on the defensive end that can help them. Um, I, I just think that this New York team is seeing success from a plethora of factors. Obviously, Randall, the lead one to me right now, uh, probably 1A, 1B with Brunson. But to me, it's it's different and it's novel for this Nick team, and it's different from two years ago because it feels sustainable. That Nick team from two years ago coined the We Here Knicks team, right? Featured guys like Reggie Bullock right. and Todd Gibson no. in its starting lineup. Um, <laughs> kind of reminded you a little bit, not fully because of players like Barrett quickly topping, but the 2013 Knicks that were so good, but you just knew Felton, Kidd, Thomas, these guys weren't right. coming back. They weren't going to be, you know, 37 next year instead of 39. It's not like the age starts to go down. It, it, it was done. That, that was a cooked product. It feels like the Knicks are just getting simmering here. Just one player in their rotation, 27 years old or older. Everyone else is either 26 or younger. That is the definition of sustainable, right. of, of conducive to productive organizational team building you look at what the Knicks have been doing they've been investing draft capital into players and then paying veterans to play over them and even if the team's bad they're not learning anything from being bad now if they lose a game they at least have full evaluations of their young players on the table from that night Manuel quickly is getting a, a consistent role and thriving in it looking really good on defense as well there's nothing to me about this run for the New York Knicks of five wins now that feels unsustainable. It feels like they're doing it their way. Deuce McBride coming into the rotation, Derrick Rose out of the rotation. The next two games the Knicks play, they hold their opponent under 100 points both times. Not a coincidence. Uh, there are changes being made with this Knicks team that are leading to direct success on the court. And one very simple note that I've seen just from watching, the, the Jalen Brunson effect, I don't have to watch Julius Randle bring up the ball, and that... I that that just it really it makes this offense so much more dynamic. It adds to Chris's point. It lets Julius do what Julius can do instead of having that extra responsibility of bringing up the ball and possibly turning it over. Especially if you're not a true point guard. Obviously, Julius Randle is not a true guard. J uh, Jalen Brunson has been a world of difference for the Knicks, and he's been a big reason as to why they've won five straight and why they've been able to stay at least at 500. And now, obviously going above 500 and making a little bit of noise in the East. Uh, Julius Randle has been able to be that Julius Randle that originally signed with the Knicks, averaging a double-double in his last five games, 31 points last night. So it, it's really it's really nice to see that they have a, a guard in Jalen Brunson that is able to spread the floor and spread the love to guys that are supposed to be premier scorers for this team instead of having to do everything. Right, so you, you look exactly to the point, guys. It's Randall was do-it-all for the past couple of years, and that's not the player that he is. He has a variety of different skill sets and fills a lot of roles, but he's the easy way for me to say it and think about it is he's not a point guard. He's not a guy you want taking the ball off the court. He's not a guy you really want your offense to, I guess, say, okay, I'm going to get it. When he gets double teamed and has to make a pass out, if it works, it's phenomenal, but sometimes it's ugly. He had a couple turnovers off double teams. He had to pass out. Brunson takes that away from him. If, if, if you have Jalen Brunson with the ball up top, then you run a pick and roll with him. You work it to Randall. 
He had Caruso on him, and who who did a very good job last night. I do have to say, but a couple of times where he got it just deep down low, it's an either easy bucket or a foul where he avoids those double teams. It makes it easier on Randall, and that's any star player you have. The easier it is for them to get to their spot and get a bucket, the more success your team's going to have. It's a very simple formula that it's hard to come by. Don't get me wrong, but Jalen Brunson, I guess, really makes that just. Uh, he's he's the key ingredient, I guess, that kind of, like you said, Chris, stirs the pot for this Knicks team. And, guys, if you look ahead to their next couple of games, so they play Chicago again tomorrow night uh, in the Windy City yet again. Should be a winnable game, uh, but we'll see if Chicago can bounce back. Those guys have been ugly so far in the season. Then they're in Indiana, and then they play Golden State at the Garden next Tuesday night. So the next three games are against teams that have shown some grit. Indiana's been sneaky this year. They're right there in the standings with the Knicks. But Golden State, you know, Steph Curry injured now. We don't know for how long. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But this sustainable success that the Knicks can have here, if you look, then they play Toronto and Chicago again. It's it's getting towards that middle of the season where you kind of find your groove or you don't find your groove. And, and what happened with the Knicks last, last season was they kind of lost it towards the middle slash back half of the season where they didn't have much going. And they realized, okay, we're not in contention. There's better teams. We can't compete. But the look and the feel of this team is different. And like you said, Chris, it's, it is different than that team two years ago because of the different ingredients. It's Jalen Brunson. But I, I want to say as well, is there any other, are there any other guys here you say? Brunson is, is who I give main credit for changing, I guess, the outlook and production of this team. Is there anyone else really? I don't necessarily think so, so far in the season. Is there anyone else that you can kind of point a finger to on this Knicks team? Of course, Julius Randle's back. He stepped up big time. But besides those two guys is there anyone else you really can point to and say the success is through him him and him is there a third guy there because in my opinion it's not rj barrett is there a third guy there that you can say well look at this this is what someone's doing making it a little easier as the whole for the whole team to function at a high successful rate yeah it's it's quentin grimes Uh, you know i want to say emmanuel quickly really badly uh, you look at some of New York's top lineups and net rating, defensive rating, offensive, well, literally whatever. And Emmanuel Quickly's name is plastered all over them. He's a 6'3 guard with a 6'9 wingspan. He's a bulldog on defense, gets out there. He can score. He can play make, which is not something that was part of his game at Kentucky. He's since, you know, grown his game and look. he looks like a completely different player. Now, you saw what Deuce McBride and Emmanuel Quickly did to Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Even Tom Thibodeau, who does not like playing young players, had to come out and say, whoa, that yeah. defense was something. And you know what he did after? He kept playing Deuce McBride because that earned him a spot in the rotation. He noticed how fundamentally different the team is when its identity is defense. And the identity is not uh, RJ get his 20, Julius get his 25, and Derek get his 15 off the bench, and we can go home. <laughs> like, I, they're trying to win basketball games. Right. And and to me, I, I think the bench unit's a big part of that. I think the McBride-Quickly combination, a big part of that. But I, you got to look at that starting lineup, right? And and you look to the starting lineup where Quentin Grimes has been inserted. Um, the Knicks' most played lineup now, you know, is the Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, Robinson lineup they've played 190 minutes this season they have a positive 11.1 net rating that is so not Knicks yeah the Knicks under Tom Thibodeau consistently have the gem lineup all the way at the bottom of the stats page because they play the other lineups and the other lineups have traditionally consisted of veterans that are not as good as young players that are on the bench that would benefit the organization in several ways to play uh and 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 this is because of 
the coach they chose and, and what he brings to the table, which is winning habits, a foundation, but also these things that for a rebuilding team may not be optimal, right? So you look at Grimes and you look at what he can do without the ball in his hands. Look at who's in that starting lineup. Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle. These are guys we all know very well kind of need that orange rock in their hands to get, get things going. Quentin Grimes relocates, sets an off-ball screen, gets a teammate open and himself open in the same play in a six-second span. Like, that guy is just out there. Like I, I feel like someone just revs him up and then just lets him go, <laughs> and he's just out there offensively, always moving so productively. He's got a, the, That lineup has a 60% true shooting percentage. So they're doing all right. <laughs> they're doing something right, you know? And I, I just think that the difference, and I'm not, this isn't, you know, trying to say that Grimes is some world beater of a player. I think the difference ideologically, stylistically, basketball philosophically of going from Evan Fournier next to Jalen Brunson and having a backcourt that you know couldn't stop 38-year-old Ish Smith to going to Brunson with Grimes who can cover Brunson at the point of attack who can do what these teams that are deep in the playoffs year after year like Boston and Miami what do they do they stop the other team's first action they send Kyle Lowry or Marcus Smart at you like a bulldog to just mess you up and the Knicks have that guy in their starting lineup now and you're just seeing how pivotal that is for them how integral that is to a Tom Thibodeau defense also maybe points out the team's reliance on Thibodeau's tenants and maybe a little, is a little bit of an over-reliance but when they give him it, it feels like when they give him the very specific engine parts he's the best mechanic in the world and he'll put together the best car in the world he just needs his very oddly specific brands tools of parts and, yeah. and tools and, <laughs> uh Grimes is one of those guys Fournier right. was not it's that simple to me yeah, I, I have to completely agree with the Grimes part. I, I think wa watching him in that starting lineup, is it's it adds a lot of balance. It opens a lot of doors, like I was saying with Jalen Brunson being the point guard now instead of having Julius Randle do everything. Quentin Grimes, I really, really like him in this starting lineup. I've really been impressed with the play of Deuce McBride, too. He's not Obviously, he's not blowing you away on the stat sheet, but every time that I sit down and watch a Knicks game and he's playing – He's always doing something productive. Whether no matter how long he's on the court for, he's always doing something uh, productive. Whether he's closing out, he's getting rebounds, making good passes, getting an occasional bucket here and there, just doing what he can off the bench. Anytime that he's in Westchester, it it's there's something missing in New York. Yeah. So having Deuce McBride off the bench every single game, I think, is a big key to the Knicks' success over the last five games and going forward. But to add to Quinton, to the Quinton Grimes point Chris was making, I really enjoy watching him in the starting lineup as well. And it, there's just a lot more balance. This, this Knicks team looks a lot more complete. They have a lot more consistent rotations now. Um, I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. Tom Thibodeau, he's bought himself a lot more games. And uh, the, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see what... what unfolds with this Knicks uh, roster going forward yeah you know it was funny with with Tibbs because there's a lot of you know he's such an old school type of coach where he doesn't you got to really earn a spot with him and like you said Chris he doesn't love necessarily throwing the young guys out there he threw Taj Gibson, Erlens Noel, Reggie Bullock back in those uh, the two years ago the, the miraculous run the Knicks made but now I think he's kind of realizing the adjustment needs to be made to throw these guys in there the Knicks are young for a reason let the guys get run and and frankly 
they've improved. Quentin Grimes improved. Deuce McBride improved. Even quick, you know, he's his numbers aren't exactly what you're looking for with he, him all the he's time. A better player. He's just he's a better player now, and his defense has stepped up tremendously and, because and he's on the court. Look at his numbers <laughs> shooting inside the three point line. The right. three point shot's been weird this season, but inside the three point line, he's shooting like ten percent better than ever, or something like that. It's just not even close to the kind of player he was before. So when you look at yeah, exactly, it's just a little more efficiency. It's not the game, of course, is three point oriented, but. With Quick, especially sometimes where he is that primary ball handler, you don't need him chucking up shots from 25, 30 feet out. Yeah, actually, the only bad play he made last night was towards the end of, I think it was the end of the third quarter. He wanted a two-for-one. He shot from about the logo. Uh, short miss. They run out. Fouls, I believe it was Goran Dragic on a three and one. So a seven-point swing there. Actually, the free throw miss. So a six-point swing. Uh, but you don't see that as often anymore from him from his rookie year, second year. There's just a lot of development and steps being made for this Knicks team. Uh, from from every aspect, from for the most part, I would love to say I could be the same with R.J. Barrett, but that's a story for for another day for me. I I, I don't want to get into him too much, but Knicks five game heater right now. They're jumped right into sixth place in the East. Of course, relatively early still in the season has the standings quite tight. They'll play again tomorrow night against Chicago in Chicago. Of course, Knicks rocking and rolling, but we're gonna jump now, guys, to Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets. They sit in fourth place in the East. They're also on a four-game win streak. So both New York teams playing some pretty good basketball right now. Uh, and the best player in New York, of course, is none other than Kevin Durant. KD, MVP caliber season, of course. What do you expect from the guy? He's averaging 30 points, 6.7 boards, and 5.5 and assists per game. Uh, you know, the, the Nets for me, KD is always the, the, the denominator of this team. He's always there. He's always solid. You know what you're getting with Kevin Durant, and it's – buckets <laughs> it's not anything hard to understand but the question marks I just I, it's, it's hard to say there's not question marks with Brooklyn because you know Kyrie Irving when he's played has been phenomenal 25 points per game five rebounds four and a half assists that's that's Kyrie Irving right there uh but you know there's some other weak points where Joe Harris not shooting the ball how you want him to uh I don't want to really even get into Ben Simmons but we have to because it's the Brooklyn Nets and you expect a star player like that or supposed star player to fill his role. Ben has played 19 of their 28 games, and he's only started 14 of them, plays 27 minutes a night. That's not stardom role. Now the question is, I guess for, for the both of you guys, is this Ben Simmons' role with the team, or are the, are, are the Nets still trying to figure this out? Because they're they're playing successful basketball, 17 and 12. Is he kind of going to remain this guy who's not, you know, crunch time core player for this Nets team? He's not playing that above 30-minute caliber type of player or is he going to stay in this role and be okay if we're successful I'm going to sit here and average eight points five rebounds five assists off 25 minutes a night I think if the Nets really want to make a push to that top tier in the east they're going to have to trade for somebody <laughs> they're going to have to make a trade Ben Simmons right now whatever they have going on it's working so if until that stops working that's when you have to address it right now four-game win streak, you're five games over 500, you're a top-five team in the Eastern Conference, you just let it rock. But this, there's always been some drama with the Nets this year, and it continues to happen. Ben Simmons off the court, that we know that there's 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 issues with Ben Simmons. Uh, recently, Kevin Durant really has been the only person to play consistent minutes and be that that star that we've seen. But even with him, still, there's always some comment that has to be made that makes the, the entire Nets roster just it, it not, not seem like they're playing as well as they're playing. And then, obviously, Kyrie Irving, everything that's gone on with him this year, there's just a lot of extra 
drama and theatrics going on with the Brooklyn Nets right now this season that you know it, it kind of raises some eyebrows and it makes you wonder how is this team so good right now with everything that's going on out off the court so uh, honestly I really do think they need to make a trade if they want to beat a team like Milwaukee if they want to beat uh, I mean the Heat right now you know they're not playing as well as they probably should but if they want to beat the Celtics if they want to beat the Cavs they want to stay, obviously, they're ahead of the Sixers right now, but good teams in the East, the Nets are going to have to make a deal. They have to they have to strengthen themselves somehow. Ben Simmons averaging eight points a game is not going to take you to the NBA Finals. It'll be good for the regular season for right now, but if they want to compete with the teams ahead of them, they're going to have to find somebody, and it's going to have to be fast. You know, the, the, the question, I guess, too, with the Nets is if you look at teams that really compete at a championship level, they've got two guys and usually a defensive stopper. So I'm, I'm going to use the Celtics because that's the prime example. Arguably the top team in the league, not just because of their record, but as a whole. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are two guys you give the ball to and let them go. And Marcus Smart is that defensive stopper. Now the Nets, technically speaking, could fill that role with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as the scorers and Ben Simmons potentially being the guy to play defense because he is an all-defensive, I believe he was all-defensive first team back in maybe it was 2018, 2019. With the Sixers, when that was really his prime, it's a shame to think that the guy's, I think he's 26, 27 years old and not in his prime anymore. But it is a question of if he can get back there because you don't even need him to score that much on a team like this. You need him to fill his role. That's rebounding. That's passing. That's playing defense. You know, and, and defense, once you get to the playoffs, is <laughs> you can always argue what's more important, offense or defense. But sometimes it's defense in the playoffs. Ben Simmons is going to have to guard the best player on the other team. The question is, will he be up for the challenge? If it's Ben Simmons from the past couple of years, the answer is no. But we don't, I guess, we don't necessarily know that yet. So where do you trade? Who do you trade? Or even do you need to make a trade is a big question for the Nets. I've been saying for weeks that this Nets team has got to make a trade. Since before the season, I was telling Julia Moss, one of our Nets beat reporters, don't get too attached to this team because they are going to need to switch it up. Um, you look at Brooklyn's, you know, lineup data, and this is this is when I get to have fun on Pick and Pot. Is when I get to crack out my lineup data <laughs> here, uh, really nerd out on you guys. Take a look at some of the lineups that are playing the most minutes for them. It, it's, it's the denominators are common. It's Durant, it's Irving, it's Claxton, it's O'Neal. Okay, the best lineups for them are consistently coming when those guys are on the court. But what really interests me is what's happened with Joe Harris's return. He's actually been part of some of the most crucial lineups for this Nets team in terms of not only upkeeping offensive production, Harris, just like Quentin Grimes, right. not someone that needs the ball in his hands to make his team better. He spaces the floor. Just him being out there is making the team better and making things easier on them because he's such a good shooter. He's had to kind of re-earn that rep, but he has his defense solid. Um, I, I think Brooklyn can look to why Joe Harris is working to kind of organize these trade deals. So right. you take a look at their lineup, Irving, O'Neal, Simmons, Durant, Harris. I, I don't see a real center in there, do you? No. no Claxton, nothing, right? But they've got a defensive rating of 112. It's really not pretty. Offensive rating, 126. Hmm. So in the 44 minutes that that lineup has seen the court this season, and that's actually the fourth most used lineup for Brooklyn, they're a plus 13 out there just with offense. You look at Simmons when he – another lineup Simmons is in. Uh, you know, you got Irving, Durant, O'Neal, Simmons, and Seth Curry out there. When they go a little smaller, 
That defensive rating goes all the way down to 98. Yeah. But the offensive rating plummets to 94. So that's not the answer, nope. clearly. What is? Well, it's maintaining that size out there. You're seeing these bigger lineups are doing better. Why? If you're not going to have defensive studs out there, at least have someone that's not poor Seth Curry out there <laughs> trying to play small forward. I mean, geez. So what the Nets can learn from this, if they want to move Joe Harris, if they want to take the first-round draft picks that they acquired in the Ben Simmons-James Harden trade and go out and get a difference maker on the perimeter, I think they need to be targeting guys who, one, can succeed without the ball in their hands, a la Joe Harris, and two, can contribute to the perimeter defense as Harris and Simmons have. You're looking for an upgrade over Harris. Uh, I think there's a really prime target for, for Brooklyn that's right under our noses, and it's OG Ananobi. He's been wow. available for a little bit. We know teams are reaching out about him. We know Sacramento was interested in him over the offseason. Things are a little maybe mobile with his situation. It's a relatively high asking price guy, though. Will the Nets look at the two first-round picks they got for James Harden with Mm, Ben Simmons and say, well, this— this completes the deal. Simmons and Ananobi for Harden was it? Mm, yes, our perimeter defense. Right. Mm. So, <laughs> will they be the ones to make this trade? I, I'm not sure, but should they? If they're in on this core, then you have to continue to invest it. If you're going win now and you don't think you're ready to win now, you can't just kind of leave yourself stuck in the middle. You got to pick a direction. Either start selling off pieces, which I don't think they have any intention of doing. Or, add, or start adding them. If they're going to build with this core, if this core is actually around to stay in Brooklyn and, you know, the the rumors that everything had been fixed over the offseason, uh, culture-wise, that everyone knew was kind of baloney, um, are true, if they're actually going to keep these guys around, then do what it takes to win games with them on the roster, which is to surround them with ancillary defensive talent, guys that don't need the ball in their hands, guys that can pressure the rim when, when both Kyrie and Durant may need a breather. They've got, you know, Edmund Sumner and Cam Thomas running around headless out there trying to, like, be rotation NBA playoff guards. And Sumner's kind of getting the hang of it. Thomas, not as much. He's having 30 points here for there. Um, This team needs more consistency on the defensive end. We know what they have on offense. And it feels like every young guy they draft, Cam Thomas, uh, you know, I feel like they brought in um, who was it that they signed off the, the undrafted? Whatever the, the guys they're bringing in are so like, hey, we need offensive help. It's like, no, you don't. No. Your offense is actually fine. <laughs> You're doing all right. Okay, your most played lineup is Irving, Durant, O'Neal, Simmons, and Claxton playing 130 minutes total this season. They have 115 offensive rating. That's good. Your defensive rating is 117. Okay, you're literally giving up more points than your score. Like, you have to change something, and you've got to look to the lineups you have that are working. What's the difference between the – it's the same lineup except Harris is in it over Claxton. What does that tell you? Simmons can play the five. You just need an actual capable wing out there. Just get something done. Acquire someone where the Brooklyn Nets can look at their rotation and say, okay, we no longer have just two guys that we trust to guard the perimeter. There's three now. Just something different. Because at that point, you can run a nine-man, and you can see the majority of your rotation work out, and you can stagger the minutes. And They need to change something because the answers are not going to come from within this roster. And I've been saying it for a while. It's going to take them a while to figure this out because they think they have so many moving parts and this and this, and we don't want to shake things up before we this lineup even settled in. You know, the Kyrie stuff was such a whole. Yeah, so stop wasting time. Cut bait now with these t- with these lineups that 
aren't good, right? Like you have, let's let let let's have a look at this Curry, the Seth Curry lineup I mentioned earlier, right? Five different games that lineups appeared in. What what about the first time made them say, you know, it's, we need this more? It's it's availability. It's that they don't have other options. So they just got to go out. I don't think they got to be too flashy. You wanted a name, I gave you one. But even guys like, geez, I don't know, Tory Craig could help this mm-hmm. Nets team at this point. And they, they just need rotational pieces that are trustable Established. on the defensive end of the court. Right. You know, I, I I think with the Nets too, I always, one of my, I've, I've said it before, my worst, probably my worst take ever on one-on-one or pick and pot, anything here was that the Nets were going to win it all uh, back when they traded for Harden. And obviously that crashed and burned quite quick. Uh, so when you look at this team, you say, are that, they win now? That trade made me double down on my take that they weren't making it to the finals. Yeah, I wish. I, I was like, that. they've invested in everything that championship teams are not, which is yeah. off-the-court distraction, yes. off-the-court out-of-shapeness, poor defense, poor rebound. I don't know if <laughs> – I don't think there's any situation in NBA history where trading everything for a superstar has – it immediately made you worse uh, look <laughs> they've done it once before too the only time i've seen a team trade a lot of stuff away for a superstar and win immediately was Kawhi leonard but that was not even that was a relatively fair trade at the time um but anyway looking at this this team so you say are they win now they should be right but the win now mentality for them has been the same for the past three seasons now they've just occasionally switched in you know, whether it's James Harden in the situation or Ben Simmons coming in now or Kyrie Irving missing time, whatever it is, there's that win now mentality, but they haven't actually been able to fulfill it. And the question is, I guess, not even the question, the reality is they should go and make some sort of trade to fill, to add, because if you're really going to go with this all-in mentality, you have your stars, now you need to fill in everything else. If you're going to eat a meal, you're not just going to eat you know, the, the, the steak, you're going to get the potatoes with it, the, the vegetables, you know, my food analogies, whatever. But, like, you're going to need those other pieces to kind of make a full meal, or in this case, a full lineup, a full contending team, which, you know, it's for – the, for the Nets, they have the core. There's never been denying that. It's just whether or not they can get on the court. Uh, but then past that, you know, there's not much else. Again, Edmund Summer, Camp Thomas should not even be playing. I, I don't know – who they can get, we've talked to OG Adenobi, but there's a lot of asking price for some of these guys, but I think the Nets might have to go and make the move. I, It's it's really tough to tell, Nick, if they're in win-now mode, to me, personally. You would think that they are. Right. The James Harden trade, I think, solidified their direction, obviously. That clearly did not work out. You get Ben Simmons, you know, that really didn't put them any like further ahead in the process than they already were honestly so is one trade really going to make them this win now team i don't know they the nets have really dug themselves into a hole coach coaching change harden the harden experiment did not work out and who knows where katie and kyrie are gonna go it was a short window to to begin with they tried to piece it together instantly and it, and it completely backfired on on them and now they're they're looking they continue to dig themselves into more and more holes i i don't know I, honestly i think the nets are one of the most unpredictable teams to me right now yep. so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with them they if they make a move we'll propel them forward maybe or are they going to stay consistent with the lineup that they have and kind of just be like this first round maybe second round team we'll see it's the very classic and consistent story of the nets where they have success uh but how long can it last so 
The Nets, we'll see. Four-game winning streak, but always the question marks and distractions for them there. Uh, we're going to jump now just to some news quick before we hop into the standings. It's the Steph Curry injury from last night's game against Indiana. Steph holding his shoulder after he tried to strip the ball. Uh, from the video, guys, it doesn't look like it's anything serious, and Coach Steve Kerr said Steph seemed like he was in good spirits. Uh, but, you know, when a guy like Steph Curry has to come out of a game that fast, right away, out of out of the game immediately, he had no intention of coming back. You get a little nervous considering you only got to go back to the 2019-2020 season when Curry was out for a broken hand. He played five games, and the Dubs had the worst record in the league. Uh, and, you know, those guys are kind of reeling right now. The, the defending champs who, I mean, I still want to consider them contenders. Uh, they're The West is tight. They're 10th in the West at 14 and 15. But if you lose Steph for, I don't know, five to ten games, you could build a deep hole here because the Warriors – Warriors are nothing, not nothing, but they're they're not going anywhere if Steph Curry's not in the lineup, uh, especially with teams like we can jump right into it now, uh, the Jazz, who you know were phenomenal in the start of the season. They lose Mike Conley, uh, he comes back, and the first game he comes back, they take down the Pelicans, who are in the top of the West. So, I guess for the Warriors at least, you pray for the best for Steph, of course. But if he comes back, do you expect the Warriors to jump up? Do you expect the guys like the Jazz or even the Kings, who have a surprisingly good start, to jump down in the standings? There's a lot to talk about with these NBA standings. We'll start in the West. Uh, I personally want to talk two teams, and we'll see where you guys go from here. Uh, the Lakers, I don't think they're as bad as as the record has shown. The start of the season was abysmal. But they've kind of figured it out. If, if Russell Westbrook can somehow find a way to be efficient and not shoot the basketball as much, uh, and they have a little scoring from somewhere else, that would work. They played a very good game against Boston, that wild OT loss. But it's a loss. A loss is a loss. You, you can't really do anything about it at that point. Uh, so the Lakers, I don't think, are necessarily going anywhere. They've got a chance to, to, to build, but they got to do it fast. Uh, another team that I think needs to kind of get a grip on things is the Phoenix Suns. Those guys are on a five-game losing oh, streak. Oh, yeah. Right? Five-game losing streak. Uh I don't know if there's just a toughness factor missing from this team or what it is. You know, there was a whole big deal when Zion dunked the ball at the end of the game. Are they, are they still working out after after road wins against right? like bottom five like, teams? You, like, you guys remember that? Yeah. They, yeah. I, mean, like, I like the Phoenix Suns. I really like Devin Booker. Whatever. Don't get me wrong, but like, oh my God, man. This team beat up on like a 12 and 30 team last yeah. season and posted videos of them after all working out in the locker room. It was like... I, I like, used like, to love the Suns. You but know, you know, like feel good stories. Kids posting yeah. on Instagram stories, you know, like the big pump at the gym. Like you know, he was there for eighteen minutes. <laughs> like at most, right, like right. absolutely. Like this team is just such a good basketball team that, in any other regard, gives off this fake tough right. vibe, and it's just so hard to to ditch that, right? You know, everyone's seen the the famous photo of Luka Doncic looking up and smiling <laughs> at, at Devin Booker at the free throw line. Um, it, it, because of what happened in that cell. If you let that happen to you in a series, especially a Dallas team that's now, to use your word, reeling here, losing Maxi Kleber today, arguably the second best player on that team, um, they're already only ninth in the standings. Right. So we might see that drop more now with Kleber out. Warriors, definitely a candidate to overtake them. Um, it's just it's something up with this Suns team. And, and you know, to me, the place you look to is the DeAndre Ayton situation. Mm -hmm. um, they've been looking into dealing him since last season. DeMontis Sabonis is someone they wanted to get back for him. They're just just someone, right? Just get him out. Yeah. Uh, they end up 
extending him to a max because the Pacers did it first. And right. they were like, ah, we got to get stuck. We got to match that. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's bad business to let him walk for nothing. Right. Could, yeah. could we let him walk for that? Should we just do it? Should we just you guys think we like I feel like they were genuinely debating whether bringing this guy back or not would even make the team better. Now you look into the season. He's the team's arguably second best player all year long. I just think that something needs to switch up. If, if Macau Bridges is going to stick around, that's fine. Um, change something with your big men. You know, you've had Jay Crowder sitting on the bench for a month and a half now because he's wanted a trade because you weren't going to start him. So he said, all right, I'm not starting. you got to trade me. So he's sitting. Then the guy you sat him for got hurt for mm-hmm. the season, and then you still won't start Crowder. So he's like, I, I, I'm not coming back. Whatever, just trade me. Uh, yeah, you know, the season started like two months ago, and he still hasn't played a game. No. Like, well, what are we doing, Phoenix? If you're supposed to be a win-now team, talk about win-now teams, right? You're supposed to be a win-now team. How do you sell to the guys in the building that they're supposed to go out there and put their lives on the line to win every single game when you can't even get them a power forward? Because the guy that you chose refuses to play. I think if you're the Suns front office, you really got to get to work here. You got to get to talking to your players and being like, yo, this is not the plan. We are going to do something to change it right now because otherwise this this team is going to c- continue spiraling. They've lost five in a row. Chris Paul is not aging backwards like we said mm, earlier. Yeah. The age goes up, mm-hmm. not down. So you know, 37, 38. 39 40 ding, ding 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 like we're getting there right and and i think that at that point at, you know what here's my son's take here's my son's take and I'll, I'll end with this and we'll go to will i i wouldn't be surprised if you see chris paul and russell westbrook get swapped sometime soon hmm. wow this is this is nasty what's going I, on what's I going enjoy on enjoy that Phoenix? take very much that's wow they got swapped back with okc in houston yeah, I think you're it right. Happens again, but again, yeah, that's what that's what my oh wow is for. Again, really, but how do you how do you see that working out? Los Angeles is just desperate, and I'm not sure that they're going to convince themselves that any of their you know what they can do with their first round picks. I'm not confident that they're going to like. Yes, we should use uh, an unprotected first round pick on Bojan Bogdanovic. Now, no. the Lakers don't have a pro scouting department, right? This is if it's news to you. Happy birthday, I guess. This is going to be your nugget of the day, is that the Lakers don't employ a pro scouting department. There's not a team of people that work for the Los Angeles Lakers who go around the league watching other teams' games. And that's why Lakers fans typically get their wishes. When guys play really well against the Lakers and the Lakers go, oh, we want that guy? Yeah, that's the Lakers scouting department, too. It's the best they're doing is watching the games the Lakers are playing against these teams. You saw Bojan Bogdanovic hoop against the Lakers the other day. That's someone they've been interested in. Apparently, their best offer is a protected first-round pick. Detroit's not biting. They want an unprotected one for him, an unprotected one for Sadiq Bey. They want all you know this and that, posturing, the marketing, whatever. I, I think this Suns team ends up looking at their situation and saying, do we want to keep Devin Booker around, yes or no? Because if we want to keep this guy around, there's one path to it, and it's to take half a step back this season and to say, hey, let's get CP out of here in exchange for Westbrook in these firsts. After this season, let's take Aiton and those firsts, or let's take Aiton Crowder and those firsts, and let's go get an actual stud, right? Kevin Durant wanted to come play yeah. in Phoenix. Uh, he's someone who said since Devin Booker was drafted back in, I believe, 2015, that he always said, oh, I want to play with him one day because that kid is nice. Um, maybe Brooklyn tears it down. Maybe Phoenix <laughs> swings a move for Kevin Durant God. after failing to do so last offseason. But 
I, I would just keep your eye on this Suns team, something to shift. And I, I think you look around the league, the other team that's something that's really looking like something's going to shift is this Russell Westbrook contract. It just doesn't feel sustainable that they're going to keep this around, playing much better this season in a repurposed role. But uh, I'm not too confident that this is a situation that's remedying itself. I, I think you see these guys get dumped for each other once again. I like that the Kevin Durant swap too, but I think for that to happen, it's it's going to be a battle of who blinks first. Yeah, that would be Aiden. Who's going to fall? That, that would have to be Aiden Crowder or Aiden Cam Johnson and first round picks for Kevin. Like you know, what oh I'm yeah, saying? yeah. But I think it's going to have to be which team is going to fold first. Is it going to be the Suns or is it going to be the Nets? Because if if one of them is still, you know, if they're playing well and they they're ready to make a push in in the playoffs. We're not going to see a deal like that. That is an off-season deal. You're not going to see Kevin Durant traded in the middle of the season, without no. a doubt. But do I see it happening? It could happen. It almost happened uh, last off-season. But yeah, the Suns pre- pretty miserable. Four nine on the road, by the way. That's like that. That's the worst record out of the top six teams in the Western Conference on the road. That's awful. Twelve and three at home. One of the best. So obviously, it comes on the road. They're not getting it done there, but there's a lot of question marks. This this Westbrook for Chris Paul thing is really, really intriguing me now. I've never I've never thought about that. Obviously, we like you said, we did see it before, but now fast forward a few years and both players in a, a lot different stages in their careers. Westbrook completely fell off after his stint with DC, and Chris Paul has gone to a finals and has really made has really stamped his legacy even more with Phoenix. So that would be a very interesting, interesting trade to discuss further. But the Phoenix Suns, five losses in a row, they need to get it together. They need to get it together. This team should be a top three team in the West. But there's a lot of teams in this Western Conference that are just surprises all around. The Pelicans being the number one seed right now, never would have thought that. The... The Blazers, the fourth seed right now, 16-12, same record as the Suns, also would not have thought that. And the Sacramento Kings, the seventh seed at 15-12. and 12, 12. Uh, A lot of surprises in the Western Conference. I think the West can go a lot of different directions. Um, but the Suns, they definitely should be a lot better than what they are. Uh, really interested to see what they, well, what their front office decides to do moving forward. Yeah, a lot of shakeups in the West that you know you wouldn't really expect, but it's close. It's tight. We're about a third of the way through the season, and guys, to close the show, we'll hop to the East. So far, just real quick, and I'll start it. Give me a team who surprises you in a good way, and then it surprises you in a bad way. So for me, surprising in a good way. I mean, you can't really say the Bucks or the Celtics because they're supposed to be that good. Uh, the Celtics have been off the charts good, but you can't say them. I think that's too simple. So my good surprise has been the Indiana Pacers. They're sitting at 15 and 14. Guys are supposed to be a lottery team. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has been a phenomenal leader. One of, I would say, top five point guard in the league right now. Leading the league in assists. Very uh, few turnovers. I think he had 30 assists straight with no turnovers. Uh, young team that just really goes out there and plays hard. Uh, you know, they beat the Warriors last night kind of solely out of youth you know Steph of course left but he had 38 these guys just run and gun they play hard and they put up a challenge for anyone that they really play against uh and then my I guess weak team are surprising that they're not doing well I mean the Chicago Bulls are not a phenomenal team don't get me wrong but you figure with DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic as a big three of sorts 
that they wouldn't be sitting at 11 and 16 right now. I get it. You know, Alonzo's been injured. They've had a couple guys who has had step up and don't necessarily fill roles the way they need to. But I'm very surprised in a good way with the Indiana Pacers and surprised in a bad way with the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to go with Cleveland nice. as my good surprise. Now, obviously, they were going to be good. We all knew they were going to be good. But whenever I watch them play, and the Knicks, they beat them. So, you know, props to the Knicks. But whenever I watch the, the Cleveland Cavaliers play, I'm, I'm actually pretty blown away with how they've been able to bring this team forward. They just acquired one big piece, and it was Donovan Mitchell. And this team has taken that big step forward that they had to had to take. They had a bunch of young guys with Darius Garland and Jarrett Allen really locking it down as their core. Um a lot of, like like I said, a lot of other young guys as well. Then you add a not old, but established star in Donovan Mitchell. Obviously not old, but older than the guys that you have there. And instantly has taken them to the top three seeds in the Eastern Conference. I really like what I'm seeing there. Uh, could they pass the Bucks? Maybe. It depends on if they get hot. Depends on how the Bucks continue to play as well but I really like what this Cleveland team brings to the table I'm excited to see what they have in store for the rest of the season but the team that really surprises me in a bad way is the Raptors 13 15 didn't think that they'd be this bad or just on the cusp or like the last team that you can be to be in the play-in thought this team would be where the Knicks are maybe even where the Sixers are right now I uh, thought they would remain pretty consistent from where they were last year. But like you said in the beginning of the show, Nick, this is still very early in the season, like not even 30 games in yet. So there's a lot there's a lot to anticipate. I think we see a lot of different standings changes throughout the next few weeks especially. And I do anticipate the Raptors to at least be in the top of the play-in or just out of it again. I really can't anticipate them being this 10th seed all season long. Uh, I'm going to go with the Wizards for my disappointing team. Fair. Uh, I liked the acquisitions they made over the offseason, but not a whole lot. And I was like, okay, you know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was good, uh, but they moved off him. They got some young wings. Want to feature one more? Okay, I can talk myself into that. I, yeah. uh, Will Barton, they got him. He's good. And uh, Monte Morris, they really needed to make that acquisition. He's been a much-needed point guard for them. You know, Beal can run things, but... I think he's pretty commonly known that he's best optimized as like a scoring option, yeah. not the offense. So even just what the Morris acquisition signifies stylistically for them on the court, I really liked. I thought this was going to be like a thirty-six to forty-two win basketball team, man. I thought, I thought, I thought you were going to get a competitive Washington Wizards this year. I thought maybe even forty, four, call it, call it forty to forty-four. Was right. my eight game skid right? Was now. my win range for them? Oh uh, yeah, they're eleven and eighteen, yep. and they've lost eight straight. Yep. This is really bad, uh, and I was not expecting it. I was expecting the Chicago Bulls to be bad this season. I came out really strongly when that team assembled that core. I said not only did they lose the Vucevic trade, they lost the DeRozan trade, and they signed a guy to a $100 million deal who plays half of every season. What are they doing? Everyone was like, you don't get it. They're going to be fun. DeMar is like actually this known playoff contributor, um, and he definitely doesn't uh, you know, do something to himself every time that, that the, a playoff setting comes on, right? Like It's just not, it's not real. Um, to me, that this team has this talent and is so bad. They've got Kristaps Porzingis. They've got Kyle Kuzma having one heck of a season. 
and they've got nothing to show for it. I think that's really disappointing. So, you know, you just had the 10th pick in the draft. You used it on a guy who's now playing for the Capital City Go-Go. Um, I, I like Johnny Davis. He's playing for the Capital City Go-Go. Like, that's just the state of things right now. So, listen, man, I, I, this Wizards team is really disappointing. Um, the same with the Hawks. I expected them to not be great. So I'm not going to be like, oh, 14 and 15. You know, that's such a I, – I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like that team. I didn't like that Bulls team. I didn't. The Wizards, genuinely really disappointing to me. Team that's surprising in a good way here in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets at 17 and 12. I did not see them having any sort of good season after what happened in the offseason. Thought they'd be about a 500 ball club, maybe 550, and that uh, they'd make it in the play-in, beat the Knicks or some team like that to get in. And then, you know, make it to the first or second round. I I didn't see them being fourth in the East at 17 and 12. So that's going to be my positive surprise. A lot of surprises, a lot of fun here. 30 games through the NBA season. We've got a lot of time left. Knicks playing well, Nets playing well. Everybody's rolling. But that is just about going to do it for us today here on Pick and Pod. For Nick Feta, Will Talent, and Chris Persian, and we have had a blast talking some hoops with all of you guys. This is going to do it for us here today. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday afternoon and a fantastic weekend. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.